What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Sit Down with Sid podcast. This is episode number nine. And today I have a special friend, a guest on this podcast, uh, Ms. Kathy Gallagher. Uh, with over 30 years of experience and a strong client-first mindset, with an extensive inter- international program management experience, she has focused on supporting large global enterprise clients with software implementations, platform optimization, strategic planning, and support. Her industry specialties include life sciences, which is the biotech, pharmaceutical distribution, consumer products, retail, real estate, and property management. She also has been the recipient of several business awards, including recognition for outstanding client services at Oracle. What sets her apart is her passion in customer advocacy and a proven track record in helping customers successfully adopt the products and services they employ with a positive experience and highest levels of success. She currently resides in Sparta, New Jersey. Without any further ado, let's welcome Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Thanks for joining. Nice to see you, Sid. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I feel like it's... uh... The week has been a month long already, but I'm good. I'm happy to be able to to uh, spend the time with you. It's a good uh, distraction from the load of things I have to focus on at work. Well, I'm 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 really happy to have you here. Uh, so before we dive into the topic for today, which is very interesting, I would like you to kind of tell the audience, you know, a little bit about yourself, your schooling, family educational background, um, and how did you get in this industry? Okay, Um, so I am a mother of five grown children. Uh, They live all over the place. Uh, One of them is married to a wrestler in WWE, which is, you know, that's that's a new twist Um, and been a lot of fun. I have eight grandchildren. They range from three years old all the way to one that will be uh, 21 next month, actually. Um, I live in Sparta, New Jersey uh, on Lake Mohawk. And I, I, from a, a career and education perspective, I started out very young uh, in, in a direction of having a family. I got married very young. Um, I did some college uh, with Penn State University and um, then moved in right away to really just getting into the IT industry. I had a, really, I was attracted to, back then they called it data processing, right? And um, I loved that. I I think it's because I have a very analytical mind. So computer programming and trying to figure out you know, driving outcomes, right, in programs and things really uh, was very interesting to me. So in spite of actually never really finishing my um, college degree, I was lucky enough to get into different companies. First in industry, I started out with a uh, dental products manufacturing company, um, my first day on the job, I had to cross a, a Teamsters picket line, um, and I was a computer operator there. And uh, then those skills that I learned uh, through that brought me to a, a very large manufacturing printing company that worked in the cosmetics and um, 
pharmaceutical consumer products uh, space printing labels for those products. And um, I got to be part of them really automating and transforming their business through technology. They had done everything manually. So I got to learn every job, you know, procurement and press scheduling and all of these things so that I could then be the translator to the consulting team. So that gave me really almost, I think I got my college degree there just by learning how to do these jobs and, you know, really being the business solutions person that would articulate those needs and requirements to the consulting firm. Um, later on, I uh, got into the food brokerage business, uh, both as a broker and then also I worked for Cisco Foods uh, for a while uh, in the distribution of uh, restaurant uh, products and things like that. And later uh, moved to my first software IT firm that I worked for was a company, very small consulting firm that was working uh, in the life sciences space, implementing uh, global solutions around financials, distribution and manufacturing. I went in as a project manager and that's really what launched my international uh, travel side of my career, which I absolutely loved because you know, I, I had to learn um, about cultural differences. My first project was in Manila in the Philippines and I had to learn, you know, how to communicate with a project team that I would be with for two weeks and leave them with parting wisdom and things to do and come back in two weeks and look for it to be done and realize that, um, you know, culturally their, um, their way is to say they understand you maybe when they don't right um because they don't want to say hey i'm not sure what you mean they just say yes yes i've got it and then you come back and you realize a lot of things were weren't understood so it really stretched me um you know to really think about how to communicate in different cultures i also went on to work in japan for a year um i joined a company called jd edwards it's now part of oracle uh, and they were looking for consultants to go to Japan because they acquired a very small firm, a small consulting firm that they wanted to um, onboard into their business to help with uh, implementations in Japan. I had to learn how to speak business Japanese. I took three of my five kids with me. Oh, wow. um, it, it was it was crazy, right? So. Um, and then from there, I actually, through acquisition, ended up at Oracle in a role that allowed me to work with very large, large life sciences companies. And I got to travel to many, many countries, right, doing that, um, Australia, France, England. Um, and, and again, I, I think I have a keen um, awareness of really, you know, it's not just a language, right, um, that you have to learn to, to mitigate outcomes and bring success to what you're doing together. So um, I then left uh, Oracle and went to work for a, a smaller uh, firm that was focused on one of Oracle's uh, ERP product lines, J.D. Edwards, I was there for nine years. And I 
again, you know, anywhere that I can learn and grow is amazing to me. And um, I held positions in delivery around consulting. And then my CEO there said, you know what, you really should be in sales. And um, even to this day, I say, please don't say I'm the sales guy. Because uh, I, I connect with clients through, you know, understanding and, and looking for the signs of what their culture is, what their needs are, right, and empathizing with them to get things done. And it's really helped me to be successful. So then I moved on to the company I work for now. It is a sales role. Um, and I'm leading a fantastic, very diverse team in terms of the roles that they're fulfilling. We've brought new roles into the fold uh, to help this company in their North America location, which is really in a startup mode. It's a, it's a company that's actually uh, owned outside of the U.S., which has been another, um, another challenge for me. To uh, It's the first time I've worked for a non-US company, right? And there's lots of cultural so diversity. this company based off, Kathy, uh, Abosys, correct? Mm-hmm, yes. Where is this company based? Where are the headquarters of this company? Um, well, they're based in India. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, they're based in India. And then there's a pretty uh, large presence in UK, but they're in Middle East mm-hmm. as well. They're in um, Southeast Asia. Uh, we're just opening operations up in Canada, and what we're, you know, what we're doing here is saying we're going to make. And and by the way, I should add that, you know, the the our focus area is Oracle cloud applications. We only do that. We don't, you know, say hey, we'll do Dynamics or SAP. We're totally committed to Oracle. And what we're trying to do is transform from being a sales arm of an India-owned company to a full-fledged, you know, operating entity in North America where Oracle is headquartered, right? So um, we just had our our first year, my GM actually joined four and a half weeks before I did. And um, the year closed uh, June 30th and great growth and great strides, but still a lot of work to be done. It's hey, been great. Listen, with your outgoing personality and being so charming, I would say you are a perfect fit for your role. So, you <laughs> thank know, you. I'm 100% uh, positive about that, and uh, I'm sure the company will appreciate your efforts and uh, outlook. You know, uh, they haven't kicked me out yet, so um, <laughs> it's been good. Let's it's not do that. Uh, so, Kathy, now today's topic is very interesting. You know, we uh, I try to divide this topic in three different uh, silos. Um, first one being is the woman in tech industry, yourself, you're in the tech industry. And, and it's a very, it's a very interesting global topic, you know, and, uh, before I ask you some questions in this segment, I just want to share some stats with you and the audience. Okay. So according to stats from CNBC, Forbes, woman tech. Only about 25% of the jobs in technology are held by women in 2021. This is the latest number, right? Mm-hmm. 71% of the women in the tech industry were twice as likely to be furloughed or laid off than their male counterparts. 
39% of the women viewed gender bias as a primary reason for not being offered a promotion. And 50% of the women said that they have experienced gender discrimination at work. So, I mean, these numbers are staggering, you know? I mean, 25% just held in 2021. Uh, so that being said, you know, since you're in this industry, I want to ask you, what are some of the biggest challenges women face in the tech? or shall I say the pervasive bro culture industry, you know? So, um, well, I wanted to make a comment when you said about um, that there's a statistic that says 25% of the jobs in the tech industry are uh, women holding those positions. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I went to a conference in Florida. It was the Gartner IT Symposium, and it's a fantastic um experience to go there and as you can imagine there's lots of keynotes um there you know there's famous football players right that are up there giving a keynote right. and um when i walked into the room with my ceo we were trying to find our colleagues uh you know where they save seats for us and i said just stop for a second you know we're behind all the heads right you can see all the heads and I said, what do you notice about this room? And he said that I can't find Dave. And I said, I, I understand, but what do you see about this room? And he said, I don't know. And I said, okay, what do you not see a lot of? Let me make it simple for you. And, you know, there weren't a lot of blonde, long-haired, ponytailed, you know, there weren't a lot of women in the room. And it really does support the statistic that you, that you said. So, um, I think the the challenges are the, the stats you gave speak to that. Um, personally, I can say um, that it's it's difficult um, there, you know, and I, I, I just want to frame this up and say that I I don't pay attention to stats so much. I, I focus on my own experiences, right? And often, when I've, I, I can't figure out any other reason why I'm experiencing what is happening, whether it's that, why am I not heard? Why is it when I say it, nobody hears it, but if so-and-so says it, and then I go, oh, it's because I'm a woman, I forgot. Like I try not to focus on that, right? I do, I really, really do uh, try not to focus on that. But sometimes when you rule out every other reason, you know, that's really kind of what you're left with. So I would say for me, um, you know, it's uh, often a feeling of being left behind, talked over, um, and that uh, not being heard, right? You could say exactly the same thing with the same 38 words, but nobody hears you. I actually, Sid, I it was funny, I was watching one of my favorite shows that kind of numbs my brain, Grey's Anatomy. And in the beginning, there's always a voiceover with some, you know, some thought that um, Meredith Grey has to say. And she was talking about that. And I actually looked this up and verified it, that science shows that men do not process the sound of a woman's voice the way that they do a male voice. And it's not just about the pitch, right? Um, it's 
that it comes out very melodic, like a like they almost it's like they're hearing a song, and so they drift away and they get distracted and they listen to somebody else and they didn't hear what you said, right? So I found That's that very question. interesting, right? Wow. Very interesting. So so I mean I mean based on the stats from just my understanding, I can see you know kind of discrimination. Uh, the lack of job security, the, the feeling of lack of job security uh, kind of, you know, reflects these stats. Um, so, so, so what do you think? Okay, let me put it this way. So how do you think companies can support women in tech industries like yourself who wants to be heard, you know, being the top executive? What do you think companies can do? Well, um, you know, the, the obvious things speaking to the statistics are pay them equally if they deserve it, right? And they have mm -hmm. the skills, yeah. promote them when they deserve it, you know, because they have the skills. But I think, you know, we all, especially in, you know, larger companies that are subject to laws, right? We go through diversity training and what not to say, right? Uh, you know, diversity awareness and, sexual harassment and all of those things. Um, we even go through Myers-Briggs, right? You have a team and, you know, why does Kathy act this way and approach projects this way, but Mary does it different and John does it some other way. So right. you learn about different personality types and the things that make up, you know, how people respond. But I've never seen anybody ever teach on um, leveraging the clear scientific differences between a male and a female, right? And they, they, they will focus on the negatives. Like for example, I hear a lot of women say that if I, if I debate something in my group, I'm being called emotional, but when a man has the same debate, they're passionate, right? So it's, you know, where, where's the training, right? That says that women are gonna approach things in a certain way, right? And they're, they're nurturing, <clears throat> they're analytical. You know, a, a, another thing that often gets says, it, said is they talk too much. Like, it seems like men want you to speak in bullet points, right? Just give me the bullet points, right? And where we approach things very methodically um, and very thoroughly. And I think it's because of the pressure that we have to prove that we know what we're talking about, right? And that we have to demonstrate so much more than bullet points can, can convey. So I think I would love to see some, some training about how do you leverage, and I would say the, the same conversely, right? How do you leverage the strengths and traits that a woman brings and how do you leverage the strengths and traits that a man brings, right? Versus let's just accept that that's the way they are, let's ignore it or even, um, you know, patronize or, or discriminate, right, against it. I mean, I mean it, it kind of makes sense because if, if an industry is uh, dominated by 75% by male counterparts, it's a little bit challenging for women to fit in that, you know, kind of culture. And, and I also feel, now this is just my opinion, that these principles also evolved from the uh, cultural background of the origin of the headquarters, where the company comes from. Right. So as you said, you know, you have worked in Japan, you have worked in Australia, 
you know, now you're working uh, with a company in India. So mm -hmm. I'm sure you will face challenges. Even everyone else, you will see things differently. You will have to learn to adapt to their culture, their business ethics, business practices. So, right. uh, so I guess, I guess if the company is able to provide more kind of mentoring opportunities and kind of, you know, promote women in more in a leadership role, I guess that can kind of bring the balance more in like equality, you know, yeah. in the state. Yeah, and I will say that, and I mentioned earlier that I, I do have a nature to understand the culture and where somebody's coming from, regardless if it's, you know, race or a nationality or whatever that might be. Um, so I do do that and I, I try to really be thoughtful about the things that I say and, you know, um, how that might be taken. What I'd like to see that is that it's also reciprocated um, because I don't think that it necessarily one has to conform and the other doesn't, right? So let's meet in the middle and really understand and learn from each other. Right. Um, that, that's really important to me. Uh, so Kathy, now with this, the pandemic, you know, that happened since it's still going on since last March, how do you think the remote work has impacted, especially women in tech industry, based on your own experience as well? So fortunately for me, I don't have any kids at home, but I have daughters who have kids, right? And they're friends that have kids. And um, I see circumstances where even if the woman and the man both worked outside of the home before the pandemic hit, now they're both home and the kids are home as well because of remote right. learning and stuff. There are situations where it's you're the caretaker, you solve this, keep the noise down, but still try to you know juggle your job. And I don't mean that to be an indictment across the, the board that every scenario is that way. I'm just saying that those, those beliefs and those philosophies still exist even in the younger, you know, younger generation. Um, but again, not everywhere, but I've seen it. Okay. Uh, then you see households where they work it out, right? And they, right. Um, but you see a lot that, well, you know, my position is this, yours is that, you, you know, handle the kids, right? So. Um, you know, I mean, I can name a few women who are like kind of the honorable mentions, you know? women in tech, such as Sheryl, Sand, uh, Sheryl Sandberg, who is the CEO of Facebook. We have Amy Hood, who is the executive vice president and CEO CFO at Microsoft Corporation, and Belinda Johnson, who is the CEO at Airbnb, uh, and she joined back in 2018. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, they, uh, once again, you know, it's all about finding that, you know, solution, you know, because once again, these three uh, women are kind of a role model for women in tech industry, you know? They they are. Um, so I'm just going to be honest. I'll, I'll tell you two things. One, I, I celebrate when I see the appointment of a woman as a CEO. Um, I have worked in companies where there has been a, a, a woman as a CEO, and I've had experiences that have, have caused me to say, there are certain women, women who make it a man's world, 
right? Because they forget, you know, they forget about the women around them. They forget what it's like to be a woman in that, in that place, right? Um, and then I've seen, you know, I've been in companies, clients and, and the like where they really do go, you know, go out of their way to um, bring the other women along, you know? Yeah. So it's important if you get to that role um, to remember everybody else, right? Um, in the process. Absolutely. Uh, going back to, I mean, these were some great insights from your end, you know, and I really appreciate you for uh, uh, highlighting this on the podcast so, audience, uh, so the audience has more awareness, you know. Uh, that being said, let's, let's move on to another interesting topic, which is the woman in culturally diverse environment mm-hmm. or at workplace. Uh, once again, I just want to read you one number, a stat, before I ask you something. Uh, according to Catalyst, Fortune 500 companies with women on their boards has significantly higher returns on equity, 53%, better sales, 42%, and a two-thirds greater ROI than companies with all male boards. So I find that very, very intriguing, interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, so, so that being said, what do you think are some of the elements, some of the main elements of a cultural diverse environment well i mean there's the 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 normal categories right of race ethnicity age people's ability their college degree levels education levels language nationality um gender religion sexual orientation right there's those are all those categories um for me i would say that the space that i float in is um age and gender um why is that huh why is that like you're picking up these uh well because i'm a woman right so um and then the age part of it is that i'm a woman that's 63 um and maybe i should be ready to retire which i don't really have any plans to do that well Um, you don't have 63 so (laughs) yeah yeah and then um there have been scenarios where even uh, race has been a factor being a 63 year old white woman you know as well okay Uh, so so how do you think how does how does these elements uh, affect a woman in the workplace like if you wanted to elaborate a little bit more you know as you said some of the elements um, like being a woman how do you think these different components affect you at your workplace? So, I mean, if you talk about age, right, not just for myself, I, you know, I worked in a company previously where while the, um, you know, the, the folks that hired them were not, you know, older men, but they were old enough to know better right mm-hmm. they they focused on if they were attractive um they they you know the 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 people they the women came to learn you know and and to grow and you know through an internship program and um luckily you know i saw that both of them realized what was happening and they they just got out and they you know they went on with their their careers and they, you know, they had the education, obviously, they were fresh out of college, 
they they were attractive they um were very very bright but they it was almost as though the um their skills and um you know their their intelligence was put on a back on a back burner um and then you know i'd say it's like where where are you on the age spectrum if you're a woman if you're an older woman um there may be expectations that you can't keep up right give you know give that that position to someone younger versus like let's just know the person as an individual right what are their goals right um and you know really promote the growth and development that they seek and in, in the in the workplace uh, so Kathy, now so let's let's uh this question i want to ask you so say for example you are a you own a company where you have more females than males right now I have two questions on this. Number one, what is the definition of leadership in your eyes? And if that was the case, how would you promote that in the company where you have more females than males to have the equilibrium? So um, starting with leadership, um, for me, um, leadership to me is a uh, for me to enable the people that follow me to be successful. Um, and I, uh, so I judge myself on my leadership um, effectiveness on how successful my people are. And also recognizing um, that when you hire people um, women or or whatever, right? You're hiring people for their experience, their skills, right? Um, their wisdom and and whatever the value prop is that they bring to the table. Um, promote them, right? Um, promote them not just you know from one position to another, but promote them and and uh, and you know talk about their successes. Not my success is that I brought an asset into the company. Mm -hmm. It's not for me to take what they said or did as though it's my own, right? So um, when, again, when you give people an environment where they can flourish, they can grow, they can develop, and they can really strut their stuff, right? That means you're a good leader, you know how to cho cho choose people, um, so that's a good reflection on you. And if you create an environment where they can be successful, then everybody wins, the company wins. I meet my goals, right, when they meet their goals. I guess I, I, I guess that's, uh, that's actually a great uh, insight and in how you see uh, leadership and how you want to promote it in, a, in an organi organization. Um, and I hope the tech industry can take some points away from your you know, uh, speech, as, as I can say. Uh, so, so last but not the least, uh, the third topic I wanted to touch base was uh, women empowerment, right? So, uh, you know, there was, a, there was, I came across an article and I actually was baffled with this number and I actually had to go back again and again to read it correctly if I was making a mistake. This is by United Nations Women, okay? Globally over... Are you ready? 2.7 billion. I'm going to repeat this number. 
2.7 billion women are legally restricted from having the same choice of jobs as men. I could not believe the number. As I said, I, I said, am I making a mistake? I read it over and over again. Over 2.7 billion women are legally restricted from having the same job, choice of jobs as men. I mean, what do you say to that? You know, that, that's just mind-boggling. So, um, well, a couple of reactions. Um, I'm thinking that the laws in the United States protect us in, you know, from that, right? However, there are ways around it, right? But nonetheless, there are laws in place that protect us from that. Um, and then I would say that in a, in a sense, it explains, um, you know, some of what I experienced outside of the US, right? Um, where, uh, you know, they're, they're not getting promoted, right? Um, they're passionate, incredibly passionate, intelligent women, and they're stuck, you know, they're stuck where they are. Um, and it's, uh, that's, a, that's an astounding number, astounding, astounding number. number. Um, so why do you think, why, why is empowering women and girls so important in our society? And at work, so everything combining together, you know? Um, so, well, you know, I would start by acknowledging um, that they need the empowerment, right? They crave to be noticed as young, you know, young girls, um, young women, some, you know, some young girls still live in a family culture or, you know, a, uh, a country culture where they are pushed down. Um, and that's in the US as well. Um, and then the same would be for young women and women of any age, right? So um, these, you know, companies creating cultures where women can be empowered by um, teaching, uh, how to leverage the qualities that they bring um, to the, you know, to the equation, to the problem solving, whatever that might be, um, and and teaching uh, inclusion, right? Don't leave them behind. Uh, I think that why is it important? Because if you think about what I said from a leadership perspective, I'm just one leader in a small sea of you know leaders in my company but when i look at um being a leader the empowerment for my people gender aside to be successful makes um them successful makes me meet the goals that are meant for me to achieve it makes the company you know it rolls up right so if you don't empower an incredibly important population that does bring nuances and different traits to be leveraged towards success, then I think society is being held back, right? Um, and the, the opportunity to learn and, and to flourish um, and to change, I think, is squelched if you don't provide the empowerment. That's a great point. Uh, so, so let me ask you, Kathy, now, what makes you empowered as a woman? 
this is more of a personal question, but I would like the audience to, you know, hear from you. My, you know, I, 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 I thought about this when I saw the question earlier and my knee jerk reaction is when it's acknowledged that I've been heard. Um, because when you, when you're not heard or you perceive or feel like you're not heard, it really, um, it, it's staggering. It, it's, it's crippling, right? That um, you have things to say and you have something to bring to the table, but it needs to come from somebody else because nobody, nobody hears you. Um, when I get that, um, that empowerment, um, and that enablement, right? Then I flourish. I become even more open, right? It it will reflect in my outcomes, and it you know makes me be a greater leader, right? So when I look at my my team is telling me what you know what their obstacles are, what their successes are, you know their ideas and their feedback for change and to optimize things. If 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 I then have to bring that forward to a forum where I can't be heard, it, it's devastating as a leader to say, yeah, but I don't have the, I don't have the power. I don't have the voice. It's feeling, it's a, a feeling of not having the voice. I don't have the voice to do it. I have all the right ideas. Of course I can learn, right? If I, right. if I'm heard, right, then you can talk back to me and say, but did you consider this and, or what about that? Or how about we try this, right? I, I, I crave that, but you have to be heard first to be able to learn, right? So yeah. that's my yeah. reaction to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. So because, you know, you yourself as a leader is leading a team who is looking for your feedback for improvement. But once again, if your voice cannot be heard at the higher position, uh, it's a letdown for the whole team, you know? Yeah, everybody suffers. Yeah, mm -hmm. everybody suffers. So I guess it, it's, it must be very challenging for you to keep them inspired, keep them motivated. Yeah, I mean, it's great, right? When you think about it at the end of the day, especially being in a sales role, at the end of the day, salespeople want to make their number, they want to make money, right? Um, right? I'm not, I'm an, I'm an anomaly. I'm not driven that way. I get in trouble a lot, like when I interview for jobs, I'm told, you don't really talk like a salesperson because I don't spew all the facts and statistics of my right, sales right, right. numbers, right? right, right. Um, but I, um, I, if, if eventually, if I'm not effective, they're going to lose faith in me and they're going to look yeah. to do something else, right? Because you, you know that old saying that um, you don't leave the company, you leave your manager. Right. And so if they don't feel like I can be effective and that I'm being heard on their behalf, right, then they'll move to another group. They'll leave the company. Right. Um, so. Uh, so, Kathy, now, uh, what is your message to the audience, especially females who are watching this podcast, uh, being the female leader, you know? What is your message to them? Find your voice. Um, 
gravitate to places where you can be empowered because there's training and education and accept, acceptance and inclusion, right? Um, don't stay where you are, right? Don't accept what you're seeing. Fight the good fight for yourself first, right? Um, but remember that everything that you do is an opportunity for people to learn from. And so if you find your voice and you continue a journey for your own empowerment, that journey will, will teach other people, right, to, to notice and might even inspire. I just read something on Facebook the other day, something along the lines that when you go through a difficult journey, one of the most rewarding things you can take away from what you went through is that other people will also learn from it and it'll be easier for them so you yeah. know fight the fight look for it find your voice well kathy this has been a blast you know i mean uh, what what a great podcast this has been you know i've learned so much from you and and i appreciate you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to actually be a part of this uh, journey and uh, you know you will be heard now you know you're on one of the biggest social media platforms and Aww, i'm sure you. you will get a uh, lot of respect for what you have contributed today uh, that being said kathy once again i want to thank you very much and i want to close this podcast with a quote by united nations gender equality is not a is not only a fundamental human right but a necessary foundation for a peaceful prosperous and sustainable world so guys, let's make this world a better world for all of us. And, uh, you know, till next time, have a good one. Thanks, Kathy. Thank Bye -bye. you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye-bye.